Hello and welcome to the Crochet Circle podcast, episode 39, Call Me Crozelda. <laughs> Thank you to Clarissa Beth from the Crochet Cakes podcast. I put a little thing out on Instagram stories saying, I just want to hibernate, I just, <laughs> like, I want to make like a bear, be in a cave and not get out of my bed. It's so cold in the UK at the moment, it's bitter and, um... I've got lots of work to do, lots of stuff to do, and I just I just want to sit in my little cave and crochet and stay warm rather than being in my freezing cold office. Um so I was putting forward suggestions of what my hibernating bear name might be and I put forward Griselda and uh, Clarissa Beth came back with it has to be Crozelda. I have to get the crochet in there somewhere. There always has to be crochet. So hence Call me Crozelda. My hibernating bear name is Crozelda. How are you all doing? Um, I hope you're well. I'm going to keep on sipping throughout this podcast episode because I woke up this morning with a cold. Not horrendous, but um, it's definitely there and I can... I know it's fogging my brain, so um, if... I muddle my words up in this podcast, I apologise and I'm mainly going to be hugging this big hot mug of tea for extra warmth and I'm also kind of straddling a, um, an oil radiator <laughs> trying to do everything in my power to try and stay warm. So, I hope everyone's doing really well. By the time this comes out, January will be over. <laughs> I know lots of you have felt like January has been the longest month and uh, you're all looking forward to being able to move over into February and th- a better part of the year. Um, so yes, by the time you hear this, it's Friday the 1st of January or beyond. Sorry, see, January just takes over. It's Friday the 1st of February or beyond and uh, the new month has started. So in this podcast episode, I would like to um, talk about inclusivity, first and foremost. Um, also got an old dog new tricks, um, some cal updates, final destination, some en routes, bit of feeding the habit, some quick news beats and a jador. Um Thank you to everybody that tunes in month in, month out. It's lovely to have you on board. This goes out as a video podcast on YouTube and also as in an audio podcast on Podbean is the platform that I use, but that means it also goes from there as a feed out to um, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, all sorts of other places. So if you can't catch up with me on video or you don't have the bandwidth for it with your Wi-Fi, audio is another good way to do it and I pull together um, show notes that go onto the Podbean app as well so if you need to catch up with what it is I am talking about and discussing and you're on the audio podcast then please do go and check out the show notes because I add lots of photos in there and I do clickable links for all of the patterns I'm talking about, the yarn shops, the yarns I try and take you through to whoever's like provided um, the goods I'm talking about, whoever it is I've bought from. So go and have a look at the show notes. Right, first things first. Um, I'm going to read this and I'll, I'll, I'll go through why. But the first thing I really want to tackle is inclusivity in the fibre community and beyond. 
So forgive me for reading this off script. Here's why. Given the importance of this topic, I feel that it's the first thing that I need to cover. I don't usually script exactly what I say, but because of the importance of inclusivity within the fibre community, I don't want to ramble or use wrong wording because of um, the pressure of recording and trying to get my thoughts and my sentiments across. Especially having woken up with a cold this morning, there's quite a lot of like mind fog that is going on and I really want to get this across the way that I want to say it. I'm fairly sure that everyone listening and watching this podcast is aware of the conversations that have been ongoing on for much of January. The discussions are on inclusivity and diversity in the fibre community and beyond. These are conversations that are long overdue and conversations that need to become actions. The podcast, at its very heart, is about welcoming everyone, with one exception. If you're watching or listening to this and have even a hint of an eye roll, or, oh, this again, just talk about crochet, then this is not the podcast for you. Now, if you're the kind of human that likes to support your fellow humans, to build them up rather than knock them down, to offer them the handshake of crafting kindness and to take that handshake beyond the crafting community to every aspect of your life, then come on in and stay a while. I hope you feel welcome. Um, sorry, I hope you feel the welcome embrace and love of the Crochet Clan. So, I would like to specify what I mean by, mean by inclusivity. For me in this podcast, that means creating an inclusive space for black and indigenous and or people of colour, for people with differing abilities, for people within the LGBTQ community, and that's lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender and queer, for people of all sizes, and for people that identify as binary or non-binary, an inclusive space where racism and discrimination of your fellow humans cannot and will not be tolerated. I spoke about the need for actions as well as conversations, So what I would like to do is take you through the changes that I'm making to the podcast to make it an even more inclusive space. First up is the logos. I'm going to change the logo for the podcast and also have one created for the global hookups. It struck me that the current logo does absolutely nothing to say everyone is welcome here. So in true Crochet Clan spirit, um, I looked within to see who was part of our community that I could ask to take on logo commissions. I'm really chuffed to say that Claudia from the Crochet Luna podcast is going to work up the new logos. If she comes up with different design options, then my plan is to throw it out to you to see which logos speak most clearly to you of inclusivity. And then whichever one you choose, that will be the one that I take forward as the podcast logo. Recognition of makers and dyers. My plan is to seek permission from makers and dyers to show a picture of them within the video podcast and show notes. Websites and Instagram handles don't necessarily show the diversity within our community. I also know that when I have seen somebody's face, it creates more of a connection with that dyer or maker and cements them in my mind. I'm keen to also do this from a business perspective because to me, seeing the face behind a small business is a very good way for me to support them over big national companies. Let me be clear though, this is not about tokenism. No matter who you are, if I'm showing your product or your yarn on the podcast and you are a small indie maker or dyer, 
I will be asking to show a photo of you in the video podcast and show notes. You have every right to decline and a photo will only appear if I have your permission. Increasing diversity in my Instagram feed. I thought that my feed was already pretty diverse. I have a general policy of following people back unless their account is set too private. So I'm not an account that has got thousands of followers. I just don't. And I'm also not one of those accounts that has thousands of followers and only follows a handful of people back. What that does mean is that my account is full of lots of lovely, diverse folk. However, it wasn't until I started following hashtags like Black Crochet, Black Crochets, Black Crochets of Instagram, Diversity, Spoonie Crafts, LBGTQ Crafts, LBGT Crafts, that my feed really became diverse. I encourage you all to do the same. Following hashtags is a great way of finding new people on Instagram, introducing yourself and making new connections. If you have suggestions for any other hashtags that you think I need to follow, please let me know. I would like more of them in my Instagram feed. I would like more diversity in my Instagram feed. Highlighting underrepresented groups. Back in November 2018, Jeanette Sloan was asking the fibre community to point her towards black and indigenous people of colour designers. She's done a lot of time-consuming work to pull together a list from the details that she was given. A similar piece of work has been done by Marceline from the Hebrew Mary podcast, and she has highlighted designers and yarn makers. Claudia from the Crochet Luna podcast has been beavering away, pulling together um, of a list of crochet designers. She's gone through the painstaking work of communicating with the designers to ask whether they are happy to be featured. Um, I'm hoping to help Claudia to pull this together in whatever way I can. The list of black and indigenous people of colour um, crochet designers is going to be on my blog over at Naked Craft It because that's where um, Claudia would like it to be hosted. She's asked me whether I can host that and of course I can and maintain it and update it as well. My hope is that in time this will also feature dyers and makers from other underrepresented groups. However, this needs to be looked at in a sensitive manner and only undertaken with the backing and permission of the people within these underrepresented groups. If you would like to be added to the work that Claudia and I are doing, then I would be really interested in having a discussion with you about what the parameters should be. They're not parameters that I get to decide. They're parameters that people from underrepresented groups get to decide. Creating a more accessible podcast and Instagram accounts. I've had some very helpful and interesting discussions um, with somebody called Sarah from Sarah Dawn Designs. She's been brilliant at pointing me towards ways that I can make changes to the podcast to make it more accessible for people with hearing or visual impairments. If you have a hearing impairment, I always try to face the camera and not show things in front of my face in the hope that people are able to read my lips. Um, I always create show notes and link to them from the the drop down box in YouTube. If you're watching the video, the section place markers correlate to the different sections in the show notes, which can always be found at www.thecruciacircle.podbean.com. 
and I believe are in a suitable format as a text transcript. If they're not though, please do let me know and I will make changes and save it as a PDF document somewhere as well. If you have a visual impairment, I try to be very descriptive with the textures and colours. Again, I believe that the show notes are in a format that are suitable for assistive technology. In addition to the written part of the show notes, I will start adding descriptions to each photo and the caption will start with photo colon. I've also started using alt text within my Instagram feed. I've gone back through the posts from the last month and added alt text to those posts. But from now on, anything I post on um, crochet underscore circle underscore podcast or knit it hook it or fade H designs will have alt text attached to each of the images. The final thing that I would like to add is that twice a month there is a global hookup. I run it on a Saturday night and then again on a Sunday morning and they're on GMT or BST time zones um, so that the crafting session is available to different time zones. Everyone is welcome in the global hookups. If you just want to check out what happens, you can join the crafting session and put something over your camera. You don't have to be seen. You also have the option to mute your microphone. It's really up to you how much you join in which hopefully makes it a great crafting space for people that may be nervous about joining in. For some people, they started out just by sitting and listening and moved on to joining the conversations in the next session. It's free to join. You just need a decent Wi-Fi connection. Please come and join us. Okay. On to old dog new tricks. It feels like a lot of people are starting garments or 2019 is their year of the garment. Um, I started one in early January. Um, it's the it's just sweater. I spoke I spoke about it in the last podcast um, and said it was going to be a future whip and it is certainly that. Um, one of the things that you might come across in a pattern is when they're um, telling you to increase or decrease and they'll basically say you need to increase so many stitches evenly across the round. If you're new to garment making, that doesn't really help you out at all. And I think it's quite unfair for a, a designer to just leave you to it. Um, no matter how difficult your garment would be, there's nothing saying that somebody who's never done a garment before won't try with the most difficult one. So you can't assume that um, because you're creating a more difficult pattern that you don't have a, a beginner garment um, crochet or knitter starting out on that pattern so frankly I think it's a bit lazy to just put that in a pattern so what I want to do is give you the details that you need for being able to um, do the the maths behind working out how you do a decrease I'm, t I'm going to tackle a decrease in on this occasion for good reason because I've been working away on my Esja sweater and um, I've got to a point where um, actually I need to do the decreases. So I stopped so that I could show it to you on the podcast and show you how it is that I'm decreasing. So I'm going to give you just uh, the, the bare bones of it here. And then more detail is in the show notes. And I think what I'll also try and do is create a standalone blog post on it and link to that. Um, within the show notes, I've also linked to... 
a YouTube tutorial from Very Pink Knits. She's one of my favourite go-to people when I need to look up a technique. She does really clear video tutorials. I don't know how she does it. She's I think she might have like a pair of glasses which have got a camera in them. So she does amazing flat lay shows of how she's doing her work. She's got a really good one on how to decrease and increase your stitch numbers evenly across a round or a row. Um, and it, once you've done it, it's really quite simple, but you need to know how to do it. So what I'm showing up is my Esther sweater. Now within this pattern, I'm actually going to strip off a little bit as well. So woo woo. Um, within this pattern, it doesn't actually call for you to decrease, but because as I have discussed many times before, I'm a bit busty. Um, and the way that this pattern is, if I don't decrease, frankly, the jumper is just going to hang off my boobs and that isn't, it's not my favorite look. <laughs> so I want to have a little bit more shape and definition within the jumper. So I have crocheted it to a point where it's just coming underneath my, my bust. And that's where I want to do the decreases. So it's a yoke sweater. I'm working top down. I've already split for the arms. And now it's time to make those decreases to cinch it in a little bit and give me a bit more of a shape within the jumper. And let me just refer to my notes because I want to try and get this across accordingly. So the way that you do it is you calculate how many stitches you have. I have got, um, so I've been working this backwards because I know what size I want to come down to. And I've provided all of those details in the show notes, like I said. So um, I had 269 stitches and that was 116 centimetres circumference. Um, which gives me about 2.32 stitches per centimetre. I know that I want to take the circumference to 105 centimetres, so I'm going to need 244 stitches. That, on my gauge, should give me um, about 105 centimetres. Now, I'm also working in linen stitch, which makes it slightly more difficult because I need to have an odd number of stitches to continue in a spiral in the pattern so I'm actually going to take it down to 243 stitches. What that means is that overall I need to reduce my number of round stitches by 26 so I need to go from 269 stitches down to 243 stitches. So the next calculation that I need to work out is how I can decrease 26 stitches evenly across my round. Um, and there's a way of doing that, so it would be 269 stitches divided, so the total number of stitches that I have now, divided by the number of stitches that I need to decrease by. So 269 divided by 26, that gives me 10.35. And then I'm going to round that number down, so that takes me down to 10. I then need to multiply that number of stitches to be decreased, 26, by the number of decreases, 10, which gives me 260. 
and I have a remainder of nine stitches. Hopefully you're 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 kind of going through this with me. Um so what that means is that for every ten stitches I need to do a decrease and at the very end I will be left with nine stitches. And that's basically how you work it out. So I would crochet eight stitches, um crochet two together, that gives me nine, but I've decreased over ten. Then I move on to the next section, crochet eight stitches, decrease two together. The next decrease section, crochet eight stitches, decrease two together. And that will still leave me with the remainder of nine at the end. Now, like I said, slightly more difficult because I am working over linen stitch. So if anybody ever needs to decrease with linen stitch, I've worked out how you can do that and how I think it adds the neatest decrease without adding lots of holes into your jumper and I will pop that into the show notes but you can apply much the same thinking when you need to increase evenly across your round and again that's at the second half of the video for very pink knits but something that I will tackle in a future episode as well. So it's a little bit of maths and it might seem a bit mind-boggling to begin with but actually when you get it and you understand the premise you'll really get it. So let me just strip back off and show you what I've done with my jumper. So at the beginning of my round, I have a beginning of round marker. And then what I've done just to keep me true and right is for every one of my decrease sections, I have started it with another bulb pin. So that means I can go along all of my round and I know how many stitches I'm meant to do before I actually tackle a decrease. And that will help me do... um my decreases evenly across that round. I think the other thing to mention is that 26 stitches might be a little too much to take off in one round. So I'm going to do it, the beauty of crochet, it's easy to do and then rip back. I'm going to do it. If it pulls it in too much or puckers it, then what I will do is reduce that number by half still do the decreases evenly and then maybe do another couple of rounds and then do another round of decreases but like I say that's the beauty of crochet that's very easy for me to pull out and check again so that's probably as clear as mud it's quite a difficult thing to try and get across but if you're looking for a YouTube tutorial that will teach you how to do round decreases very pink knits and if you want to have a look at what I've written Hopefully there will be a bog, blog, bog post. There will be a bog post. Can you imagine if it was a bog post? That would be awful. There will be a blog post on it um, up on the website and I'll link to it from the show notes. But better to do it evenly so that you reduce the potential for puckering or having a slightly squiffy looking garment at the end of it. Even better... If a designer has done that in a pattern, write back to them and say, actually, I'd prefer it if you provided all of the details I need to do the pattern. I don't really think it's good enough to get to a point in a pattern and then you have to do the maths behind it. You've paid for that pattern, you expect to be able to get the maths. Um, it's not difficult, they just need to work it out for you and provide that detail. Like I say, 
probably as clear as mud. Um, refer to the show notes um, to get more details on that. But I definitely recommend using stitch markers to keep yourself right and true on each of your section decreases and to just double check your maths before um, you go ahead and do the decreases. By adding each one in, you can then see whether your remainder stitches at the end are right and you can count out your decreases and see how many stitches you're reducing by. Cal updates. We have finished the hashtag Christmas Eve Cal. Thank you to everyone that took part. I know quite a few of you were using it as um, whip finishing off Cal. Uh, it's been really lovely to see what everyone has been up to. Um, and thank you for adding bits and pieces to the Ravelry thread and onto Instagram as well. Um, what I would like to say is that I'm I'm not planning on running more cows this year. Uh, I might do something at the end of the year. But for the last few that I have run, I felt like I haven't done them justice. I'm really short in time and energy at the moment. And I, I don't want to run something that you want to wholeheartedly be a part of and then I don't have time to come back to you on Instagram or Ravelry. I don't feel comfortable with that. And I feel that way about the last two. So for instance, I still need to look out the prizes and send them off to people for the sock cal. That was back in October. Um, So I, do, I don't want to be in a position where I'm letting people down, frankly. That's what I need to sort out. And instead, what I would like to do is highlight some of the amazing cals that other people are doing within the crochet community. So when I give a cal update, what I'm going to do is highlight some of the other cals that are going on instead. And then hopefully what I can do is recuperate and by the end of the year, I'll be ready to run another cal and able to actually run it properly and wholeheartedly because that's not what's happening at the moment so I apologize for that it's not through lack of want I can assure you it's just through lack of time and energy um enough on that <laughs> enough beating myself up so final destination <clears throat> I only have one because frankly that um, crochet jumper which I'll show you a bit more of in um, en route is a bit of a whopper but the one that I do have to show whilst it isn't crochet it does relate to my crochet life um, last year I started with a year of uh, word of 2018 and it was clarity in previous years when I've heard people talking about their word of the year I've been like what a load of old tosh and then I did it last year and then I got it. It really gave me a marker to keep on coming back to. It gave me something that grounded me right the way through the year and kept on reminding me of what it was, was that I wanted to achieve or a behaviour that I wanted to change and stick to. Um, so clarity for me was all about remembering the few key things I really wanted to nail last year and if it wasn't linked to that then why was I doing it and it worked really well for me so this year I have a new word for 2019 and it is structure and you may remember last year I added my word to a big bag I use it for some of my garments 
and I, <laughs> sorry, I'm trying to work out how I can get it on the video. Left to right and right to left is a bit wonky when you're recording a video. Um, I have added it to my bag almost like a, well, exactly like Scrabble tiles actually. I even draw around a wooden Scrabble tile to get the size of the, um, the squares right. So what I do is clarity is going vertically and structure has now been added horizontally and I put numbers on the bottom of the tiles as you get on a Scrabble tile and the final two numbers always correlate to the year that I have added that tile. So clarity, the TY ends in 1-8 and structure, the RE ends in 1-9. So it's a nice little reminder of how I'm going to build this up year after year after year and um, the words that I've used as my words of the year. And I also last year um, embroidered on a big mandala onto the front of it. So the Scrabble tiles are kind of on the back, but really it could be either or. And what I used for that was some um, three-ply linen that I had bought at, at a yarn show. I think it was Fibre East. Um, a few years back and it came from a company called Namolio. So that just, the, these three colours, it's like an kind of ecru, a dark gunmetal grey and mustard. I'm all about the mustard today. Um, they just stay in that bag ready for the next year and the next year. And then like I say, this is one of my main jumper bags because it's really quite big. So that's my only finished object, um, mainly because some of the whips that I have got are quite big. So, um, and I st I probably, I, I probably could have had my jumper finished, um, but I wanted to stop it at the bus to be able to use it as an example for old dog new tricks and for how to decrease rows. But it's it's actually quite a quick. It's quite a quick make and it's also quite addictive, the Esther sweater. So let me roll on into En Roots and let me show you my sweater again. <laughs> um, so I showed you last time that I was using um, some yarn from my friend Beck, who is Black Horse Yarns. And I, I'm sure it was called Koi Carp. It was a bit of a one-off that she'd done um, and she gave it to me as a thank you for driving her to Yarn Deal in 2017. And so this is Deep Stash um, and I'm going to pop this in as part of Hannah from the Crochet Cottage podcasts Love Your Stash Cal because everything about this sweater is stash using. So where I've differed in the pattern, in the Estra pattern, is that um, the lady who's designed it, Lilibjorn, has used her main colour up at the top and then used the contrast colour for a lot of the kind of brioche crochet that it's got. So it's got what almost looks like um, strands of the contrast colour coming through and then she moves back into the main colour. So with many of the other examples that you'll see of this project there's a real 
colour contrast that goes on and I wanted something a little more subtle and I also only had so much of the main colour available to me but I had more of Beck's Koi Carp. So what I've done is um, started it off in the Koi Carp colourways and then moved into the main colour. So the sleeves and the main body of the jumper will be main colour. Um, I'll pop some photos up because it's quite subtle, the transition, but it is there. Um, and I, I really quite like that, that it's not so in your face. And the main colour that I'm using is a colour called Chryso and it's um, Koopnitz Socks, yeah. It's an 80, I think it's 75% fine superwash merino, 25% nylon. And it's in this very light bluey grey colour. It's got little hints of almost like a green in there as well. Um, and that matches, I think, really nicely with Beck's Koi Cart colour, which is the light blue with rusts and pops of dark teal in it. So I'm rather looking forward to having this finish. And now that I've worked out my decreases, I should be able to zoom through this because it's linen stitch. So it's nice and quick and it's creating this lovely flat fabric. Um, I have been adding notes into this, into Ravelry. So I've been looking at what my weights and measures have been because the weights of the project shown on Ravelry seem to vary quite widely and I wanted to be able to show what the weights were for each section so that if you only had so much stash available to you you would know roughly what you could um what you could use and where. So things like your um I'll be able to tell you how much I've used in each sleeve and how long my sleeves were and how many rounds I've done for the sleeves. I'll also give details of the decreasing that I've done because um, I definitely want it to be more fitted than some of the examples that there are on Ravelry. And the same with the sleeves. I don't think there's any decreasing in the sleeves and they seem quite baggy, which isn't me. So I'm going to add some sleeve decrease details in there too. So yeah, there will be quite comprehensive pattern notes from me on this on Ravelry if anybody fancies also doing an Estra sweater. So far so good on the pattern. It was about £7.50. Very comprehensive photo tutorials um, and a lot of information. It's a very detailed pattern. I think it's something like... 14 or 15 pages long so it's not a skimpy pattern um, there is a bit where it does say increase evenly across round or something to that effect which mm, that that doesn't sit very well with me but there's a lot of detail throughout the rest of the pattern so that is uh, that's my first en route what else do I have I have got I'm working on a second Doppio Colosseum. Let me find you the first one. When I redid, um, this is one of my own designs, when I redid it as a two-skein shawl, I used a really beautiful yarn by Helen at the Wool Kitchen. Um, but the colourway that I used, ha it's I think it was called Denim Magenta or something to that effect, and she no longer dyes it. So... Uh, about a week and a half ago, I was at Waltham Abbey Wool Show and I was vending and Helen was there as well. And when she saw Doppio, 
she said um, <laughs> that I, I basically need to update it <laughs> because in a very nice way because she no longer sends this and every time I put it out lots of people flock to it and really love it because it's a 50% merino, 50% silk yarn and it's got beautiful drape on it and the sheen is it's just beautiful and so lots of people always ask me about this yarn and of course if it's not available then that's not that's not quite fair so Helen um, gave me one of the yarns that she's definitely always going to do and it is in the same range so it's still 50% merino 50% silk the luster on this is just incredible it's beautiful to work with it splits a little bit because it doesn't have a really high twist but I can forgive it that it's just it's so nice to handle and it's so nice against your skin and the colours are just beautiful so it is um, the colour is called worn denim and it is exactly that. It's not like a stone wash. It's um, a silvery grey with little blots of a darker denim colour in it. And I just started this the other day because um, Helen has asked whether she can borrow this version for uh, to go on her stand at Edinburgh Yarn Festival. Yeah, you can. You know, the idea of having another one of my designs out on another stand... And an indie dyer recognising crochet and crochet designs and wanted to represent that on their stand at yarn festivals. I'll do everything in my power to make that happen. <laughs> if I get less sleep so that Helen has got this for Edinburgh Yarn Festival, then that's what I'll be doing. Um, Helen is also going to be vending at Unravel, which is down in Farnham Maltings at the end of February. So if I can, I'm going to try and get this out to Helen for then. So there's every chance that you're not going to see this as a finished object. But before I send it off to Helen for her to use at Unravel and um, Edinburgh Yarn Festival, I will take some photos so I can show it to you next month. It does feel like the tide is starting to turn. It does feel like... Indie dyers in particular, I don't think the local yarn shops are there yet, but indie dyers are starting to understand that crochet counts, that crocheters want to use beautiful yarns as well, and it's not just the habitat of the knitter. Um, I definitely am getting more communication from indie dyers and dyers that are seeing my designs and saying, "Oh, can I, you know, can I work with you?" So if you've never tried anything that has got a blend of um, something like 50% merino, 50% silk. And to be honest, I don't think I've ever seen this blend that Helen uses anywhere else. I've seen um, 80% merino, 20% silk, and I've seen, I think I've seen 30, 20, 30, 70. Honestly, my, my brain, there's just a big old cloud of like meh in here right now. <laughs> I'm trying everything in my power to keep this together, but I'm exhausted. Um, 70-30 but I don't think I've ever come across 50-50 merino silk before and it's, it is really lovely to work with. When I um, worked with it previously I also um, reviewed it and tried it with knitting and it works beautifully for knitting as well. So if you ever see it anywhere 
go and give it a squish because I think you will be pleasantly surprised. I have popped Helen's details into the show notes. She's got a brand new website, looks really nice and swish. Um, so go and, go and take a look at that. But she does a lot of the shows across the UK and she also posts out worldwide. Right, that's it for me for um for my unroots, my whips. I'm back. I have limbs up. It's disgusting. I'm going to move on to feeding the habit. Somewhere in my brain, I thought I was going to be really good in 2019, and then and then I wasn't. <laughs> um, I have been into quite a few yarn shops over the last few weeks, and when I go into a yarn shop, or unless it's not my type of yarn shop, um. I want to be able to support a bricks and mortar store. So I inevitably end up buying stuff because I want to financially support them. Um, like Most of the time I can't afford to do it, but I just, I end up giving them my money because I want them to survive. And frankly, you'd be lucky if I got my hair cut twice a year. I don't go and get my nails done. I don't spend loads of money on clothing and stuff yarn is what I buy that is my thing that's my hobby that's what I tend to spend money on that's my treat stuff um so I kind of, I kind of feel more justified going into shops and buying yarn um so it all started off I went over to Laxton's side note I've taken loads of videos on Laxton's it's basically it's one of our main spinning mills in the UK they're in West Yorkshire um, just in the north of England and it's a privately owned family run spinning mill and it was really nice to go over there. I went with Becky and Marcus from Rivernets and had a full factory tour and I was Alan who showed us around, allowed me to take loads of videos. I just need the time to be able to pull that together and I was hoping to do it for in between the last podcast and this podcast, in the same vein, I was hoping to set up my um, 2019 goals and do a reflection of 2018. But to be perfectly honest with you, with all of the stuff that's been going on with diversity and inclusivity, it felt frivolous. And I wanted to put the time and energy into thinking about the changes I can make in the podcast and making those changes rather than something that was all about me. So that's why it hasn't happened. And the same applies to the Laxton's video. Um, there were other things that were of more importance and that's what I concentrated on. So um, what that does mean is that you've got nice stuff coming in the future on the Laxton's visit, because it was really interesting. Um, but on the way back from Laxton's, because I had to go to Ikea to get new um, show stand set up things, I popped into Black Sheep Wools. Now, many of you will have heard of Black Sheep Wools. They have a massive online shop, but they are also a bricks and mortar store and they're one of my local stores. They're probably actually my local yarn store. They're about 45 minutes away up the motorway. Um, and I really like Black Sheep Wools. They cater for everybody. So no matter what your yarn taste is or your yarn budget, there is a bit of something for everyone. And one of the things that they do 
And we, uh, a year ago actually, when I was at the big trade show, the Stitches trade show in um, Birmingham, I was given a little tester of a new yarn that Barra Mew had brought out and it's called Pip Colourwork. And I wanted to try it out, but I only had a little 10 gram ball. Which isn't really enough for me to do anything meaningful with crochet or with knitting. I mean, it's a great ploy, isn't it? Give somebody 10 grams and then they'll go to a local yarn shop <laughs> and they will buy another 125 grams of it, which is exactly what I went and did. But I'm intrigued by this wool because of the ethos behind it. Um, so basically it's 100% British wool and it's spun and dyed in Yorkshire. Um, now the the theory behind um, Baramu's pip colour work is that because we can be very breed specific in the UK, um, if you've got crossbreeds or breeds that aren't the, the kind of highly sought after ones, then that fibre has less value. So there's an awful lot of really good fibre that is still suitable for crochet and knitting that is being undervalued for that because it's not specific breed um, or it's not one of those more sought-after breeds. And so Baramu have been um, working on this line to try and make better use of those fibres. And that's something I can 100% get behind. So this was the first time that I'd really seen the Pip Colourworks in a shop where I could pull all of the colours together and see how they work together. And what I wanted to do was make myself another curlew hat, which I have done. I showed one on the podcast last time round and I have made a second one. Now the reason that I'm not entirely happy with this is because I feel like I've done the crown decreases too quickly and you don't really get to see the full nature of the bird and the colour work just pop on just to demonstrate that you don't get to see everything that I would want to see in that colour work so I'm going to rip that out at the top of the crown give myself a few more rounds and then do the decreases um, so it's not an FO but it has given me a really good idea of how um, the pip colour work works for knitting and then I've got a project in mind for um, crocheting up with it as well and then being able to do a full yarn review on this on this wool for you so that will come out on the podcast at some point this year um, yeah it's been a, it's been an interesting wool what I've learned from working with this so far is less about the wool and more about how difficult it is to pull colours together for colour work. Because on face value, I really loved these colours together. I still do. I think they work beautifully as a bundle. However, the way that I have pulled them together in my curlew hat, it just feels a bit meh. It, it, nothing really pops out in it. And there is a real... Um, talent to being able to to being able to get the right colours for colour work and I don't think I have it <laughs> um, 
I think it's easier to do in crochet because generally your stitches are bigger and it becomes blockier and more bulky. But I think in colour work for knitting, it's actually really a lot more difficult. And so something that I want to try and work on. I've said that already, that um, 2019 is one of my key focuses is on um, colour work for knitting and crochet. And part of that, I think, needs to be my understanding of colour and how to pull colours together for projects like this, because this isn't selling it to me. Um, <clears throat> I like the hat and it's nice and warm and it's been a good practice in my stranded colour work. So good in some ways and epic fail in others. <laughs> so that's what I bought in um, Black Sheep. I did buy one other thing which is a sock yarn that Reggie have started doing and it's called Nautic Colour. It's a whole range. I am an absolute sucker for sailor stripes. I just, I love anything that's got navy or like sailor blue, creamy white, mustard and red on it. I just, and it's in a stripe fashion. I just, I'm totally taken with it. And Regia have brought out this new line. I, I think it might be limited edition, which to me just seems balmy because sailor stripes never go out of fashion. Um, and Black Sheep had pretty much sold out of all of them, but I managed to get one. Um, I don't think they've said which which one it is I've got, but I've I've linked to the Regia website in the show notes and this this range of yarns that they've got. So this will become knitted socks, but I could I just couldn't pass up a a knitted sailor stripe sock. <laughs> could I just couldn't. <laughs> um so then what did I do after that? That was Lexton's Black Sheet Wools and then I went to go and see Kate who has got Northern Yarn. Kate is based in Lancaster and she's just moved yarn shop and I, I really wanted to go and see her and say hello and see how it's going in the new shop because Kate to me is a real success story of a yarn store where she has gone from strength to strength. She's moved into a much bigger premises. It's got an, an upstairs space where she can do workshops. She can now house her crafting evenings in there which I think she holds weekly in Lancaster so they can now be in the shop and um, she's also really supportive of crochet she runs quite a few crochet classes and they're very popular and um, yeah she just the other thing that Kate is very good at is working with her local shepherds and shepherdesses and getting right into her fibre community and then supporting that through the shop as well she sells British yarns only and a lot of them are local and breed specific so if you're ever in and around Lancaster it's really easy to get to on the train and it's just a 10 minute drive off the M6 and it's a really lovely yarn shop so when I was in with Kate um, as I said she does British yarn and one of the yarns that she does is Jimison's, which is a Shetland yarn, which is actually, um, it's Shetland sheep, so the breed, and it's also um, spun in Shetland. 
and so I got five balls because I also got the Kate Davis Malorkey hat book. I think it's called Malorkey Heads. So I got myself um, a mustardy yellow. <laughs> All about the mustard. I'm, I'm, I've got mustard beads on today. I had mustard pom-pom hat on. I've got a mustard jumper on. All about the mustard. So there's a mustard colour, a rusty orange, um, quite a bright green, quite a, um, yeah, really quite a bright green, um, which I'm loving. And there is a mid to dark blue, which again has got pops of green in it, which was why I wanted to pair it up with the green. And there's also a very rusty red with hints of pink in it. And this is one of the real beauties of yarns like Jimison's and um, um, Jimison and Smith's. It's not a single colour yarn. The way that they create the yarn gives real depths of colour um, throughout it. So for colour work, it gives more life to the project. And um, like I say, this is going to be another hat because I'm on a little bit of a hat kick at the moment now that I know that I've got certain styles I can wear and like. Um, and yeah, this I was pleased to be able to squish this and see the colours up front because this is the kind of yarn purchasing that I don't like to do online because the colour that you've got on your screen is more often than not, not the colour that it is when you get it back. And if you're doing colour work, you really want those colours to match and blend. So, that was my other stuff. And then what else happened? <laughs> I went to, this was just last week, um, another successful yarn store, which is up in North Wales, in a place called Clandidno, right on the North Wales coast, um, just along from Anglesey. And Nikki runs a shop called You Felt A Thing. And previously she had a little bit of the shop at the back and she's managed to take over more of the shop, including the front part of the shop. I have never seen such a wall of indie dyed colours in a shop anywhere else. The only thing that I could say possibly comes close to it is Stephen and Penelope in Amsterdam. And Nikki has got more indie dyers and she's got quite a few of the smaller unusual ones as well. And it, she just has one wall which is absolutely full of indie dyed yarns. If you want to have a look at it and see who she's got, she had 16 different dyers in there when, um, when I was in last week. I've popped it into my highlights in my Instagram stories. It's under, I think, You Felty Thing. But you can see what the wall looks like and you can see who all of the different... Um, dyers are it was just incredible so when I was there I picked I picked up some yarn Um, I got some from a dyer that I had never come across before and she was based up in Aberdeenshire in Scotland which is my old stomping ground and the yarn company is called Abercairn Yarns and what I managed to do was pick up a merino silk mix and it's also a skinny single merino, so it's a single ply. And it's just got the most beautiful colour and the silk gives it that iridescence as well. And it's in teals and purples and pinks and just really 
really evocative of actually of um that of Aberdeenshire of the Grampians, which are beautiful rolling hills and mountains that are teeming with wildlife and heather and it just it very much reminded me of that part of the of the world and the colours just really spoke to me. And then what she also had was a mohair silk mix which I want to use with the silk merino mix that I got from her. I don't know how and I know that by the time I come to use up all of this mohair it will have gone out of fashion and the industry will have moved on to something else but frankly I I really love mohair um, I just need to get the time to actually get using some of it and get designing with it. The other thing that the lady who runs Abercairn does is when she's testing out new colours she'll do it on mini skeins and then she just sends them to Nikki to send them the shop. So I picked up a couple of little mini skeins, one in quite a dark dusky pink and one in um, quite a nice mid to vibrant purple. Kind of, uh, yeah, quite a dark, almost like an aubergine purple I would say. And the reason I picked that up is because when I was vending at Waltham Abbey Woolshaw, I made a bit of a beeline in the afternoon to go and see um, Sharon and Andrew from Dragon Hill Studio. I've been meaning to look for some of their yarn for a long, long time. And the last show that I saw them at was the Southern Woolshaw down at Newbury. And that show was so busy that I didn't get a chance to see them. It was um, a real rush to get set up and then the customers just didn't stop flowing all day long and then you're on takedown. But at Waltham Abbey I managed to sneak away very quickly and go and look at their stand. And I wanted to buy some stuff from them because I love the unique way that they package up their yarns. So Andrew is actually the dyer. And they work on um, self-striping sock yarns. And Sharon does the marketing and Instagram and all sorts of other bits and pieces. And what I've bought is the chipped stool sock. It's four ply. It's 75% blue face Leicester, 25% nylon. And it's 425 metres per 100 grams. And the colourway I've bought is called Metro Pinstripe. And it's a very dark... Stormy grey with little hints of lighter grey and a deep dusky pink, but a really dark deep dusky pink. And the reason I bought this was because at Waltham Abbey, um, my my best friend turned up. I wasn't expecting her. I was kind of partly bent over and I felt somebody um, let behind me and when I looked behind, it was Cherry. And she came and helped me out and we got to have a bit of a natter and a bit of a catch up. We don't get to see each other that often so it was really nice to see her. Um, and she helped me on the stand. So when I went to um, Dragon Hill Studio stand I went in mind of thinking that I wanted to get some sock yarn that Jenny would like. She's a huge fan of handmade socks, knitted socks in particular. And we've worked out that between us... Um, I can get, because of our different foot sizes, I can get two pairs of socks out of a 100 gram um, ball of yarn 
if I use contrast minis. So that's why I got the Abercare and contrast minis in two different colours because one will work for Jenny's socks and one will work for my socks and then she's on the south coast and I'm up here and we can have matchy matchy socks. <laughs> what it also means is that I'm not then, I don't have half a ball of sock yarn left kind of sitting about the house and Jenny can pick and choose which of my yarns that I'm working on she likes and she can say, I'll have a pair of socks in those please. And that's how it works. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing how these stripe up. I really like working with striped sock, yar sock yarns or adding stripes into my socks because it really gives a sense of momentum. I felt the same way about the Estra sweater and doing all the rounds and all the colour changes and the brioche changes because it, it just keeps your mind active and it makes you want to race through the project. Um, now that I'm on the more boring linen stitch, I don't feel just quite the same way about it. But, um, yeah, that's what sock um, striping, self-striping yarn does for me as well. It makes me whiz through projects. Right. I think that was it for Feeding the Habit. I hope that was it for Feeding the Habit. I, I need to not be buying stuff in February or March or April. Right, okay, that's a lie because I'm going away in February and I'm clearly going to buy yarn. I'll tell you more about that at the end. Yeah, it's quite a lot. But like I say, I clearly never get my hair cut or not very often. And uh, I don't spend money on other things. Yarn is the thing I spend money on. It makes me really, really happy as well. So, let's move on to quick news beats number one the next global hookup june for february i've had to change the date off um so it's now going to be on february saturday the 16th in the evening i think that was an eight o'clock start and then the following sunday on the 17th that's a 9 a.m start both in gmt um and i've already popped into the ravelry thread all of the days all of the dates through the first half of 2019. So, as I said earlier on, when I started the podcast, everybody is welcome. Um, it's a really good space, and one of the reasons I sent it up, um, set it up is because I know there are so many people that live in rural communities that don't have craft groups that they can be part of. I know that there are lots of people who are primary carers out there who want to be able to go to craft groups but can't because they can't leave the person they are caring for. I also know that there are lots of people out there that have tried to go to local craft groups and not felt welcomed or it's not been quite the craft group that they wanted it to be that was suitable for them. And that's why I started the Global Hookups. I also know that um, we've had people that join us that have... Um, be nervous about joining a craft group. And I've, I said it earlier and I'll say it again. You can put a post-it note or something over the webcam over your computer or just turn it off. You can still be part of the global hookup. You can sit there and listen and see what we're chatting like and see if it's your cup of tea. And if it is, great, then hopefully we can bring you into it. And if all you want to do is sit and feel like you're in with the crafting group and not talk and not be seen... That's absolutely fine as well. We have got people that do that. There is no issue with that. It's whatever you are 
comfortable with. But you're very welcome. Please come along and join us. They're always meant to run for about an hour to an hour and a half. Sometimes it'll go on for about three hours. But you can dip in and dip out for as much time as you like. There is no pressure on you to stay for the whole time. If you want to do half an hour, do half an hour. If you want to do three hours, do three hours. I just close them down when... Well, it's usually when I'm shattered or I've got to go and do something else. That's what happens. But I, we're all just sat there crocheting or knitting or sewing or doing something together. And it's a really lovely atmosphere. So you're very welcome. Next one is on the 16th and then again on the 17th. Um, do you remember when I said I wasn't going to Edinburgh? And then in the last podcast I said I am going to go to Edinburgh but I'm only going for the Saturday, Sunday. That's all changed. I am now heading up to Edinburgh for all four days. I'm going up on Thursday morning and I'm coming back on Sunday late afternoon. So the days I'm actually going to be in the festival are the Saturday and the Sunday. They're the days I've got tickets for. And the reason my plans have changed are because um, I'm now going on the Thursday but I'm working on a stand for a friend tell you more about that next month when I know a bit more um, but I'm going to help out a friend that I wanted to be able to support and so that's why I'm going up early and there's no point in me going up working the Thursday coming back home on a three-hour train journey and then going back up on the Saturday so I'm now in Edinburgh Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday who else is coming let me know I'd love to know who else is going to be up there um and I've also booked to go in to Woolen Festival now in Dublin. That was always the intention um, and I was meant to let you all know. So rather than doing it like I did for Edinburgh last year because I know I don't have the time to put in that amount of organisation. It was a lot of work to pull all of that together last year. Um, so what's happening is I'm arriving in Woolen on the Saturday morning at the airport Woolen Festival are actually running coaches from the airport over to the event. So I'll be there early morning-ish. I think I arrive at something like ten past eight on Saturday morning. And I will be there until late on Sunday night. So if you're coming to Woolen, say hello, come and let me know. There are quite a few of us going over there. And then what I will try and do for Woolen is organise... Um, like a meet-up or a dinner and crafting session, something like that, on that um, on the evening of the Saturday night in the centre of Dublin or somewhere that works for all of us. I'm staying in the centre of Dublin. If you want to know where I'm staying because you're interested in finding accommodation, then send me a message and I'll tell you where that is. Um, but yeah, let me know if you're planning on going to Woolen and if you want to have uh, a meet-up and a bit of a crafting session on the Saturday night, that would be really nice. Final one, number four, Sean. This is a message for Sean and any other partner that thinks that you can have too many shawls. You can't. There is no number of shawls that is too many shawls. As many as you want. This is specifically for Lisa, whose partner Sean said, what do you want to be doing more shawls for? You don't need any more. Or words to that effect. Never can you have enough shawls, Sean. Might have to start calling you Sean Shawls now. Um, yeah, I don't know how many I've got. It's loads and I still don't have enough. I will still make shawls and shawls and shawls. Probably to the day I die, I will be crocheting shawls up. Never enough. 
J'adore. What I'm loving this month is that January has genuinely felt like a reset button. Um, I've got a lot that I want to get through this year. I really want to push my businesses forward. I have a massive project that I'm working on um, with knitting designs. And I feel like January has been that proper reset of pulling back, thinking about what I want to achieve and setting those goals and having a very clear strategic structured path that I want to go down. If you've followed the podcast for a while, then you will know that I'm a very structured person. I'm very goal orientated. I'm very deadline orientated. And I like to know where I'm heading to. And that's one of the reasons I all always love January. I know it's just another month. I know it's in reality it's an arbitrary date but psychologically it it does make a massive difference for me. One because it's like that refresh button and also two because the days are getting longer and I can feel the promise of the new year. You know I can feel it in the air and I just I just love that. Um the other reason thing that I'm loving is <laughs> this is a bit really washy my husband, we're going to Barcelona, we desperately need a break, we desperately need some time together and um, we we both have start-up businesses and money is tight and bless him, he sold a guitar to be able to take us to Barcelona this month, February. Um, so I'm very much, very much adoring my husband because, as he put it, the guitar sat there doing not very much um, and somebody else is now getting the use of it and I would much rather we went to Barcelona and had a lovely long weekend together than I had a guitar sat up in the in the room doing nothing. He's a good one. I think I'll definitely keep him. He's a, good, he's a really good man. So I'm off to Barcelona. Yes, I have already sorted out what the yarn shops are and just if you ever needed any more kind of convincing that Matthew is a good fella when he sent me through the itinerary of things that we could do in Barcelona he even had looked up yarn shops that I might want to go and visit yeah he has my heart forever <laughs> so I will be off to Barcelona I will be taking videos of the yarn shops I'm going to one of them has a crafting evening on the Friday night so I'm hoping to go and join in with that I'll let you know how I get on with it. <sighs> yes, I'm very excited about having some time off. And um, being in Barcelona, now in my head, it's going to be lovely and warm and I'm walking about in a t-shirt. It's not, it's going to be freaking freezing. But in my head, I'm like, oh, it's warm, it's Spain, it's going to be so nice. <laughs> I'll still be packing all the woolies. Right, I'm done. Thank you very much for joining me thank you very much for watching and for listening um please give me any feedback that you have on this podcast um there are lots of ways to get in touch with me they go into the show notes and they're also at the beginning and end of the video title cards um so it's it's quite easy to get in touch with me if you need to I will be back again. The next episode is due on the 1st of March. So I shall see you then. Have a lovely month. Um, see you soon. Bye.
Right, I'm going to make another cup of tea, possibly something with caffeine. I'm going to sit on the radiator for a bit more and maybe take a lemon sip. Maybe I won't get a lemon sip. Yeah, lemon sip. It doesn't matter how much honey you add to a black currant lemon sip, you can't make it taste nice. It's at least warm and it has caffeine in it. Right, j'adore. Um, <laughs> come on, Brayton. Come on, you can do it. It's the last bit. You can do it. Pull it together, love. 